Another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Ooh. Jim Bob Foley, holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop with the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the King's Herald, my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going today? Will, it's going great. We're just hours before the NBA trade deadline. Uh, hopefully, inject some life into this King season, so I'm excited to talk about it on the podcast today. He's a former Sacramento King head coach, GM, and color analyst. The general manager of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer, and the true pride of French Lick himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, it is an absolute pleasure to have you here with us today. How's it going? Well, it's a pleasure to be with you guys. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, big, big week ahead, hopefully. I feel like I've set this up for like three episodes now, but uh, we are three days away before the trade deadline, and the Sacramento Kings have done all of nothing but talk out of both ends of themselves so to uh to set it up a little bit uh the sacramento kings currently hold the sixth worst record in the league only uh one and a half games out of the fourth worst record in the league they're two games out of the 10th spot currently held by the new orleans pelicans who started the season uh one and 12 uh since last we spoke the kings reached uh and then ended a seven game losing streak and hey something positive they've won two out of their last three beating the nets and then uh blatantly tanking uh Oklahoma City Thunder team. So uh, before we get to the trade deadline stuff, I just wanted to ask you guys' opinion on if you guys had anything on this seven-game losing streak, on beating the Brooklyn Nets, on whether this Oklahoma City game in which they – they, I mean, if they could have, they'd have just called up their G League team and played them. Does any of this have any impact with you guys? Did you see anything worth talking about? Uh, just, just as a general opener here, how are the Sacramento Kings been for you guys in the last two weeks? Well – uh, for me, I, I've, I've really enjoyed, honestly, the play of Davion Mitchell and, uh, and Halliburton together. I think they've uh, really shown you a lot. Obviously, Mitchell had really been, you know, until recently, I thought it really uh, not played well offensively. And I think, as you can see, given extended minutes, has uh, acquitted himself quite well on the offensive end. And, hey, and the little buckaroo brings it every night. And he brings it every night. And, uh as a Kings fan, uh, it, it's nice to see a guy who brings it every night because quite a few of them don't. Absolutely. Uh, Tony, what about you? Yeah, to Jerry's point, I just pulled up the numbers here. Davion Mitchell in his last six games, six starts, 19 points per game, uh, shooting 48% from the field, 38% from three. Um, again, averaging 19 points, five assists, two rebounds, and that's with very, very good defense. So for someone who some folks were calling a bust, or at the very least, someone who shouldn't have been drafted as high as he was, it's great to see him doing the most with the opportunities that he's finally got. And that's kind of the reason I think why some Kings fans, myself included, were a little bit thrown off by uh, him being their pick at the time because the roster was so log jammed up with guards and we thought that maybe Monty McNair would make a move to kind of fix this um, in part because it it's hard to have everyone optimized at the same time like you're just not going to get the most out of Davion Mitchell unless he's starting and defending the best players and getting those starter quality minutes to kind of develop his game so um, now that we're at the deadline I guess we'll see if if Monty McNair does anything to sort of open up a spot for him in the lineup in the starting lineup uh, long term but yeah Davion Mitchell has certainly been the highlight of the last couple weeks of basketball here. 
Yeah, I'm curious. Um, do you feel like this would uh, impact uh, Monty McNair's decision making getting this close to the trade deadline, seeing over the last 18, de- 18 days of the last eight straight games, how uh, Davion Mitchell has been able to play with Tyrese Halliburton? Do you think that helps push them one direction or another in terms of like, oh, maybe we do open Fox back up to the market? Or is this such a, a small stretch that you just can't do it that way? Well, it is a small stretch, and, and, and maybe you shouldn't do it that way, except that, you know, he is your lottery pick. Yeah. He's a guy you picked, and, and he certainly performed, I think, at a very, very good level. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I think, you know, he's played well enough in Halliburton together that if, in fact, you were considering trading Fox, which, which we may not know for sure one way or another, but if you were considering it, uh, there's no reason not to consider continue considering it because uh, uh, there it definitely looks like a, a, a distinct possibility those two guys could man those positions and be an outstanding guard core going forward, you know, in theory. Of course, we said the same thing about, you know, <laughs> other guard lines in the past. But, yeah, I, I, I definitely think so that if it make you feel a little less risky if you wanted to trade Fox right now. Tony, what do you say about that? Well, I think Jerry's right that in a lot of ways, like Davion Mitchell was always brought in here to at some point be a starter and a very, you know, high usage, high value piece to this team. It's not like Monty McNair would be making a, a De'Aaron Fox trade because some second round pick is suddenly playing well over the last eight games. This is a guy that Monty McNair clearly already identified as the best player available in just last year's draft. And he was right on Tyrese Halliburton. He's looking a lot more right in the last two weeks on Davion Mitchell than he did for the first three or four months of the season. So will this impact Monty McNair's uh, decision to trade or not trade De'Aaron Fox this last stretch? I don't know, but he obviously beforehand already thought very highly of Davion Mitchell. You don't draft a guy that high in the lottery with the idea of him being a long-term bench player. I don't think if you're in the Kings position, you're probably drafting four stars or players that you think can be very, very good. So it's three days before the trade deadline um, at, at the time of this recording. What are the rumored moves that you've heard or players that you've heard that might be on the move that still interest you for adding to this King Ross, Kings roster at this point there, Jerry? Well, guys that have been rumored, and that's all it is. I mean, and, and the price would vary a lot with me, but uh, John Collins certainly is one. Uh, Demonis Savonis is, is very – definitely one uh, Jeremy Grant to a much less degree uh you know I I think the price to get him might be worth more than you would get uh you know I I don't think he's as good a basketball player as Harrison Barnes he's younger uh and a, and a little different but he's not better uh Sabonis and uh you know in particular and, and John Collins gives you something you don't have Absolutely. You simply don't have anybody like that. So, so those kind of guys interest me a lot. Uh, you know, you don't know who all's, you know, the Simmons thing, that's about worn out. I think, I think, I think Maury is, is pretty convinced. They'll keep him to the summer and try to get probably James Harden. And I, I and I hope they both get, make that trade. So screw up both teams. I'm, I'm really pulling for it. <laughs> uh, Jerry, I'm, I'll agree with you on that one with Ben Simmons that uh, the, the, uh, potential deal for the Nets uh, for the Nets and the Sixers could wind up biting them both in the ass at this point uh, with uh, James Harden being on the wrong side of 30 kind of lollygagging around. He's, he's, he's getting more and more injured all the time. This could be one of those ones that blows up both teams. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you, a guard, uh, I mean, and his body, you know, I mean, his body the last couple of years doesn't look the same. He's obviously still, you know, I know he's hurt and not the same, but uh, I don't think the best is ahead. I really don't. <laughs> I, I just don't. And uh, so, and I think, you know, and I think with Simmons would be a great fit there with Kyrie and, you know, I mean, that who, who knows if they'd ever speak to one another or whatever. So uh, I, I just think from a selfish standpoint, you know, and I think that, you know, obviously Kyrie's a great talent and Simmons is a great talent, but there's some, they're strange customers too. And I don't know how many, how many of them you need on a team. Tony, what about you? Who, who are the rumored guys that you feel like uh, you, you'd still might want to add to this Kings roster? Yeah, I think Simmons and Sabonis are kind of in like tier one. And I think we can probably cross off Simmons and Sabonis would probably be unlikely, although the Pacers did just trade Chris Levert. So they're doing some version of uh, tearing down. Maybe it's a light tear down. We'll see how far they go. Uh, the tier below that, I'd have John Collins, another one that'll be hard to acquire. And the, the most realistic favorite, I guess, if we're going to call all three of those guys sort of like, you're going to have to give up a lot to get these. Uh, is Julius Randle. And I know that's kind of a controversial name. He's not having a good year in New York right now. It seems like every night on Twitter, on SportsCenter, there's some highlight of Julius Randle looking disgruntled or yelling at someone or yelling at an assistant coach or whatever. Um, that's kind of his thing, which is fine. It was fine last year, obviously not fine this year. And I just view Randle as a guy who kind of like Fox is having a down year Maybe you can get him for lower than, than, a, than his price should be. His contract is also super reasonable for his production, even if he never reaches the heights he did last year where he was like a top five MVP guy. He's probably not going to do that again. I will grant you that. But for his contract, which is long-term, so the Kings will be trading for a guy who could be here for a while. He's still only 27. He fits a position of need. He is a kind of disgruntled bully type player, which guess what? The Kings sort of need that. Like we've been screaming for some passion. So I don't, and there is room for this to not work out for the Kings. He is a different type of personality where, Hey, maybe it doesn't work out. But if you're just looking at the names, the Kings have either been connected to or who's available. Julius Randall is one of the few remaining difference makers that I think you can get without paying a ton of, you know, future draft assets for. Jay, I'm curious about your thoughts on Julius Randle and his fit on the Kings. Uh, I like him. I mean, you know, and, and everything Tony says, I, I would agree with. I mean, he he's, uh, you know, probably not having the year that he had last year. But, I mean, to me, he's one of those guys could be an 18, 9, and 5 guy yeah. in his sleep. Yeah. You know, and, he, and he's tough. Uh, yeah, and he might be tough on some of his teammates. And boy, oh, boy. Who would care about that right now? Uh, you know, that, that may be exactly what the Kings team needs is somebody that might be hurt some feelings occasionally. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know, you know, just, you know, what, what it would take, but, but definitely he here again, it's like Sabonis. I mean, he steps right in and fills a need. He's a guy you don't have. Uh, you know, and a guy's been an all-star, just like Sabonis, a couple-time all-star. Uh, you know, you don't get better uh, without somebody that can be an all-star at some point. And uh, so, yeah, and his age, uh, you know, his he should have his five best years ahead, really. I mean, he, he really should. I think I think with Randall, it's it's one of those things that there's a lot of Kings fans that uh, they get turned off with him because he is disgruntled or that he is grumpy with the New York Knicks as a franchise this season and, and has kind of even rubbed himself raw against the uh, the fan base too, who they're ready to get rid of him as well. But 
he's he is such a good player and somebody who doesn't rely just squarely on athleticism that he's a good passer he's a really good rebounder that i see a potential swap with him where he could end up being like a zach randolph where he plays well into his 30s and still getting 15 and 8 or 15 and 9 just based on his smarts as a player the last thing on that well i'd say too is you know, I understand the fans' perspective there. You know, you know who wants to take on this grown guy, but uh, I remember a, a, a pretty good forward by the name of Chris Weber. Yes. Uh, you know, he was basically two teams basically went that with 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 C Webb. So uh, you know, uh, yeah, to, to get that's that's what's called a little bit of a risk, uh, but yep. uh, you know, I mean, it's still a talent league. It's a talent league. And uh, grumpy, talented guys are better than lovable, non-talented guys. <laughs> Jerry, I don't know if you uh, if you saw any of the footage going around today of Julius Randle pushing a laptop out of his face um, yesterday during their game. But uh, we had some Kings fans today that uh, decided that was the that was the boiling point for them. Nope, you can't trade for Julius Randle now because he he told a coach with a laptop and the in crunch time you know, get that computer out of my face. And to me, I always, I, I made the direct correlation too to Chris Weber that like Chris Weber would have, would have smashed that thing into a thousand pieces. He'd have sent that thing to the moon. If, if somebody had gotten in his face with the laptop and he was frustrated and we'd have called it passionate. We'd have said that he's frustrated and we want a guy on the team uh, on, on this version of the, of the Kings, especially that ha- that it gets frustrated when he loses. I, I feel like there's a lot of times where, Oh, and the such and such team goes on a 15-0 run and the Kings kind of come back to the huddle and Buddy's laughing and Tyrese Halberton is trying his best to give people high fives and nobody seems to give a shit. And I feel like Julius Randle is one of those guys that you might not like him as a teammate, but he's going to make you care. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, too, it's like, uh, hey, uh, Carl Malone was a lot like that. I always remember t- uh, talking to Jerry Sloan and Phil Johnson. And they said, you know, they, they loved the guy because he was a great, great player and, and a great competitor, but said he was hard to coach. He said, John Stockton wasn't, but Carl was. And, uh, you know, definitely hurt some feelings on his teammates and coaching staff and few, you know, when things didn't go well, because he, he, so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, if I could choose between Sabonis and Randall, I'd go with Sabonis. Uh, I'd, sure. That's just me uh, for a couple other reasons, but, but uh, I, uh, Randall's an all-star player and will, will be again. So, you know, uh, I, I don't see if that's the worst thing he does is, is shove a computer. Uh, you know, I, I mean, basically, I, I don't know if you're, if you're coaching in any length of time, you might have somebody, a player say something really mean to you, you know, <laughs> gee whiz, that'd just be too much. Do you, uh, do you guys feel like, uh, I, I know there was a report that came out recently uh, about uh, the asking price that Daryl Morey had for uh, Ben Simmons was not only De'Aaron Fox, but De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. Now there's a lot of smoke screens. There's a lot of uh, puffing of the chest to see which deals can get made and how much, you know, how much you can get for certain players. Do you feel like there's any chance at all that the Sixers, uh, you know, say they call the Nets and that's just go, nope, we're, we're taking our chances this year, you know, see us in the offseason. Do you feel like there's a chance Daryl Morey uh, comes back to the Kings and goes, oh, okay, I'll just take, I'll just take Darren Fox and whatever else you can send our way. Or do you feel like this is, this has gone down the river far enough that this one's just done? I kind of think it's just done. You know, I think Morey's overplayed sure. his hand uh, really. And I think, uh, you know, his 
ulterior motive, I believe, is hardened. Sure. And so he can rationalize it and probably feel confident he can do that. Uh, so, so as far as the Kings are concerned, I, I just don't hardly see a, a deal there to be made because really with De'Aaron, I just don't see that he'd be the guy they'd be targeting. Sure. You know, I mean, with their particular team. And, you know, obviously De'Aaron, very attractive to some other teams, but I just don't see that with Philly. Sure. Tony, do you, uh, Jerry just said that he doesn't see Fox as the guy they're targeting. Do you see uh, the Kings giving up Tyrese Halliburton for Ben Simmons? I don't. And I don't think they should. I mean, the King, that would be, uh, and, and I mean, the Kings have kind of leaned in this direction anyway, so I shouldn't say they, they won't do it, but they have been trying to kind of fast forward this thing into the play in kind of brute force their way into the, to relevancy. So like from that standpoint, I could see someone saying, ah, screw it. Let's just do it and get Ben Simmons. We can never guarantee if Tyrus Halliburton ever, is ever going to be as good as him. And I would sort of understand that argument, but I don't think they should go that route. And I think because Monty McNair drafted Tyrese Halliburton, there is some additional connection there. So I just, I'd be surprised if the Kings pivot that hard and go from Tyrese Halliburton is off the table to now actually we'll trade him for Ben Simmons. So that would surprise me, but it, it wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say it's impossible. Yeah, and I think, well, the, the negative there, too, is that just contractually, I mean, for even if you wanted to have a Halliburton in a deal, which I wouldn't uh, either, uh, but it would probably take Harrison Barnes and Halliburton sure. to make that deal. And then I, I just don't see where that takes you, to be honest. Sure. Is there any interest? This, we, we've talked about uh, Simmons, Sabonis, uh, Collins a little bit, who I kind of feel like is off the market now that they're playing a little bit better. Uh, we've talked about Jeremy Grant for a second, but uh, we haven't mentioned Miles Turner. Is there any interest in either of you uh, for Miles Turner? I'm not a fan. I know a lot of our fans are. I read, you know, Kings Herald religiously, and I know a lot of people see Miles Turner as the answer. I, I really don't. I think, uh, you know, I think that he shot, he blocked shots better than anyone on the franchise, but he, he really doesn't have a post game. His, uh, I think this year he's shooting 33% from three, uh, you know, which isn't that good. Uh, his rebound per minute is not very particularly outstanding. Uh, you know, would you, would you like to have him? Yeah. I mean, on, but not for what they're talking about giving up. I mean, he's being treated like he's a, a difference maker. Well, he never has been in Indiana, sure. an actual difference maker. Sure. He's been on some good teams, but, uh, but never more than fourth or fifth guy at the most. Tony, what about you? Well, maybe you can be like the Miles Turner defender <laughs> in the group here. Cause I, I probably like him more than Jerry, but I definitely lean more on Jerry's side than like the side that really thinks he'll change a lot here. He's he'd be their best paint defender. I, I'd give him that you're getting better on defense, but you're getting worse on offense. What is the net gain? And I'm not sure the net gain is worth the price you have to pay when you already have Rashawn Holmes here, who is pretty good at some other things too. So I would take Miles Turner if the price is right. If you wanted to tell me that, hey, the Kings need a defensive-minded center, so we'll move Rashawn Holmes or something else, and then the end result will be Miles Turner is here and some other things, fine. I can like get behind that direction, but I'm not going to sit here and say that I think like Miles Turner is going to be the savior to anything either. Yeah, I, I think Miles is a is a is a talented player for the most part. I don't know how much he fixes anything on the Kings other than just kind of ups the talent level a little bit, depending on what you trade out for him. I certainly wouldn't give up a first round pick for him. I think if I'm going to be the Miles Turner defender in the group, 
I think it would be like, well, this is a decent, we talked to uh, Greg about this last time, that this would be a decent option to quietly tank the season and that you get rid of some talent for, for Miles Turner. You sit him the rest of the season because he's injured and then the Kings play with even less talent, knowing that, okay, this is a one-year kind of, you know, pull the emergency brake and spin around the corner here. And um, maybe you can pick up a top five talent, you know, a small forward of some sort, run Fox, Halliburton, whoever this top five pick is, and Miles Turner the next season and hope to hell it works. I, 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 I think it's all price dependent, but he's never averaged more than 15 a game. He shoots threes, but he doesn't shoot threes that well. You know, he's maybe above average for a big guy, but, but an average three-point shooter in general. He blocks shots, but he, he's never, you know, he's never rebounded more than like six a game seven a game. And so I was like, he's not a very good rebounder. He's not in the paint as it is. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to defend him as much as I'd say if the Kings got him and it was, it was the price was like, Oh, buddy healed. Okay. I'll take that swap. But yeah, if, I, if would it was, do, I would do yeah. <laughs> it was buddy healed and a first round pick and Davion Mitchell. Uh, no, I'm going to roll my eyes at that one. Well, you, you know, the others, I, I do have, a, a, I would say some kind of insight into uh, that situation uh, for different reasons, but uh, there's there's are some people that I have a lot of respect for that uh, really doesn't feel like he brings it very all the time. Really, uh, uh, just simply isn't as competitive as they they would like. That's one of the reasons he's out there uh, and hasn't really gotten better over the years. And I think you can see that in his stats that he really hasn't uh, the last few years. So. Uh, but like, I'm with you, Will. I mean, yeah, there, there's always a price because, I mean, I, I think, you know, you could you could uh, certainly justify saying if you got him uh, for Marvin Bagley in a two seconds or something, you could say, well, our center position's probably a little better than it was and sure. move off a couple of guys and go down the road. But, but uh, to say, you know, we're going <laughs> to Mitchell and a lottery pick or – Harrison Barnes and two firsts or something. It's like, no, good grief. No, go away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Will you hit it? I mean, you just can't like, I wouldn't give up Davion Mitchell for miles Turner at this point in part, because he's got one year left on his contract after this one. So you just can't be left with nothing. So anything where you have to give up a uh, valuable draft pick or a young player like Davion Mitchell doesn't just doesn't seem like a smart move to me. So let's uh, I, I kind of want to play this game only because we are in the, we are in the end game of, of this trade season this year. So I, I want to just real quick, we'll go through some of the players that we talked about and then we'll, we'll go through Kings players as well. But I want to hear whether you guys predict it's not written in stone. I'm, I will not be bringing this up later to prove how dumb you guys are. And in, in terms of your, your podcasting uh, predictions here, but I want to play stay or go and see whether or not you guys think. And at, in the end, at the end of the day, if on the 10th at, at, at closing time, these players are, are staying or they're going for their prospective teams. So I guess we'll start with uh, kind of the big one, the biggest domino of all right now, Ben Simmons, Jerry, Tony, do you guys feel like come, come the 10th, Ben Simmons is a sixer or is he somewhere else? I think he's a sixer, uh, not actually a sixer, but he's in Philadelphia <laughs> working out. At this. <laughs> Tony, what about you? I think he's somewhere else. I think he's in Brooklyn. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, Demata Sabonis. I think he's probably somewhere else. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I think there's enough teams really would like to get him that maybe in Indiana certainly want to do something. So he's, he, he's a guy that can change, you know, change things. 
uh, both ways. Yeah, maybe I'm buying into the smoke as I usually do. I'm the kind of guy that wants to believe every single rumor is real. <laughs> so I'm going to say there's a lot of smoke around Sabonis, so he probably goes okay. to. Uh, John Collins. I think I think it's going to be tough. I think with his contract and all, uh, I think there's a lot of there's value there. But I'm just, uh, I, you know, and I know Atlanta really probably needs to do something. But uh, of course, just one last point on the Collins thing. If I had my choice, I'd take down uh, Hunter, DeAndre Hunter. Sure. I think I I think that yeah, guy is just about a year away from busting loose. Uh, as as a as a big a big version of Davion Mitchell. Sure. Yeah. All right. Let's look. Jerry yeah. called into the league. We're making a trade for for Hunter. Then. <laughs> I think Colin stays. I think uh, Atlanta sort of righted the ship a bit. They probably do something. Maybe they move Bogey. But I do think Colin stays. Yeah, I think Bogey's a more likely one. You know, and I yeah. I think you know I think I could see him in Philadelphia or Brooklyn or somewhere. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Julius Randle. I kind of think he'll go. I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think New York, they're, you know, they're, they're definitely, you know, there's a lot of pressure in New York, extra pressure on being where they are after what they did last year. So, uh, you know, I, I could see, you know, it'd take a pretty good deal to get him, but I think there's several, and there's several teams that would like to get him. I mean, so that's always the key where they come up with what it takes. Oh, absolutely. Tony? Yeah, I think if they can get someone who they can sell as a guy that can be their next Randall or their next guy, then they'll do it. And I think Fox would be one of those players. Like if I think the Knicks could easily sell Fox for Randall for, on their end. Um, so I think it, it's dependent on if a team is willing to give up a player at that level. So I'm, I'm on the fence on this one. I, I guess I'll say yes, just because I want it to happen. I, I like movement. Not necessarily that I want him for Fox to happen, but I want things to happen. So I'm rooting for trades. Uh, Jeremy Grant. I think he's definitely going to be moved. I really do. I mean, it, 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 there's good reasons. I mean, he's wanting a new deal. You know, he's wanting uh, probably more money than he's worth. Uh, he's a good, very good player. And, but he, for a lot of the really good teams, they see him as a, that piece, that extra piece. So, uh, and they'll worry about the, the contract stuff later. So I, I really do think there's a, probably the best chance of any of them being moved. Tony, what about you? Yeah, I'm going yeses on all of these, I guess. <laughs> I'd say yes to Jeremy Grant, too. I think the Pistons signed him to trade him. It was a really smart move by their uh, general manager, um, Troy mm -hmm. Weaver, I think, just to uh, increase the value of an asset, and now it's time to cash out. So I think that makes a lot of sense for them. Okay, this last one here is uh, Miles Turner. Uh, I, You know, I would, uh, I'd probably say yes. I'd probably say Miles gets traded. Yeah, I, I think they can probably find a deal they like for Miles, where I, I'm just not sure they can for Sabonis. Yep, give me a clean sweep on yeses. Going <laughs> <laughs> to be a busy deadline over here. Uh, he's entering the last year of his contract. I think now's the time to move him. Um, so, and they're rebuilding. So, yeah. Tony, give me one star that isn't being traded uh, in, in, during before the deadline. You can't even say LeBron. The Lakers are so hard. <laughs> 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 hard time. I'll say uh, Bradley Beal is not traded. Oh, okay. He's even in some rumors. So that's there we yeah. go. Yeah, no, that's a good one because uh, I figured you were going to say Joel Embiid or something like that. A real easy one. <laughs> no, yeah, I'll give you one that's real easy. Okay. okay, so I want to do the same thing here with uh, with Kings players, and uh, we can go into a little bit more detail here, and we can have a little bit more of a discussion on that one too because 
there's obviously a lot of players that have been rumored to uh, to be on the outs or or headed that way or one way or another with the Kings. So uh, we'll start with the big one, and that's a De'Aaron Fox. Uh, Jerry, do you feel like De'Aaron Fox is going to be with the Kings post trade deadline? I do. I think he'll still be with the Kings. Okay. Uh, Tony, what about you? Uh, I do. I think, yeah. I, it's that one's tough. The ankle injury stuff is weird. You know, I don't, who knows how relevant that is to this bigger discussion about his availability, but uh, I, I think it'd be kind of a sell low moment. So I think he sticks around. Jerry, do you feel like uh, De'Aaron Fox stays because that was the plan uh, that the Kings have always intended to build around Fox and Halliburton? Or was it more that the Kings didn't find the value or the deal that they really wanted for Fox? Well, I, actually, I, I do think that it's a case where when you look at this team, it should be that they couldn't because they couldn't find the deal because I mean, I, and that, and that as much as I wouldn't want to see Halliburton traded or Mitchell, but obviously same thing applies. If you can find a deal, uh, you know, that, that a player that's better and <laughs> that you think is better and helps you more, you still do it. Uh, so, you know, I mean, would I trade Tyrese Halliburton for John Morant? You bet I would. Uh, help him pack and <laughs> but but I mean as but that that those things aren't realistic and then so yeah I I think the reality is that, that probably for the right deal they would have would move Fox but I think it's uh it's a, the contract it's would take a Randall type thing or Sabonis type thing with a contractually it's close enough it could do it and the fits make sense for both teams to some degree. And so short of those kind of things, I don't see it. Jerry, I'll tell you what, only because you brought up Sabonis there and it jogged my memory. Um, they, uh, there was a report that came out earlier that the, the Pacers weren't interested in uh, swapping Sabonis for Fox. And I was surprised to see this, but Indiana Pacer fans went absolutely crazy about it. They were, they were pissed. That, that the that the Pacers wouldn't swap those two. And I thought, oh, that's great. I didn't realize that uh, Fox's value was so high in, in Indiana particularly. But uh, it was one of those things that I went, oh, maybe there was more legs of that than I thought there was. Well, I do think, you know, if you – fans, from a fan's perspective, you always fall in love with the other team's players. You know, you, you don't see the – you see them a couple <laughs> times a year, watch them in the highlights and all that. And uh, and, it's, and it's nothing – like I say, it uh, – I mean, I can see why you'd be enthralled if you're Indiana with, with Fox. Uh, I can see if you're in Sacramento why you'd be enthralled with Sabonis. Uh, I mean, it's uh, they they both have a lot of, you know. I I think from now that Indiana traded uh, Karis Levert, uh, you know they got Brogdon there. Uh, you know, Fox certainly would be a good fit there. I mean, I I think the fit is way better all of a sudden, but uh, sure. Hmm. But, but, you know, it's, uh, takes two, but anyway, yeah, I'd read the thing too, where some, Indi they're talking about Indiana fans saying, uh, you know, Sabonis slows down the team and all that. And I said, yeah, I, I don't doubt that. And, uh, I wouldn't care if he slowed down the Kings and, uh, actually made them better. You know, you had a guy that dump it to draw a double team. He can really pass. Uh, it's like, you know, uh, of course, I always thought that's the biggest flaw of the whole pace thing. Anyways, the faster you play, if you're not very good, your chances of winning actually decrease because there's more possessions, which actually the better team uh, has a better chance of winning yeah. with more that's possessions. True. Yeah. 
I I don't want to get into into the too and too much into the weeds about this, but pace is one of those words that if I never heard it again, I would absolutely be fine with it. I, I feel like that's that's the curse with having such a fantastic player like Darren Fox, who is as fast as as he is. That we've heard the word pace since really since he was drafted far, far, far too much. And if Demata Sabonis ended up, you know, the Kings were 17th in pace that year. And I never had to hear, you know, well, they really need to pick up the pace. We were really hoping to be in the top five in pace. It, it would be worth it to me to never have to hear that word again. Yeah. I think it's really, so. really overrated. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah, if you can play with pace and be very successful and effective, sure. And if you can play slow as a turtle and be very effective sure. and, and, and win ball games, I, I think that's, that's find a way that, that you, you can be successful. And uh, sure, it, it's, uh, I mean, the fans like to see the ball going up and down, but then all of a sudden I notice they get, they tire of it when the other team is scoring more, uh, then, then it's not near as much fun. It's, you know, that. <laughs> <laughs> All, all the way back to George Carl with uh, DeMarcus Cousins. It's just been one of those things. It's like, I can't wait for the day that I, I don't hear that word or don't read that word anywhere involving the Kings. And it hasn't happened yet, but maybe someday soon. Yeah, and, and the word pace and DeMarcus Cousins should not ever be put in the same sentence. That's <laughs> just, I mean, that was just, I mean, that's like pace and Mitch Richmond, the same thing. I always say with Mitch, great player. He had no intentions of playing at a high pace because <laughs> he wanted to play in the half court because he knew he'd get most of the shots as he should. Sure. Same way with yeah. cousins, <laughs> same way with Weber. Those guys didn't, you know, come on. Sure. <laughs> Who wants to watch Buddy Heel take a three with 21 seconds on the shot clock? Yeah. Not DeMarcus <laughs> Cousins. <laughs> no, no. DeMar uh, De yeah, okay, DeMarcus, so we'll uh, that'd been a couple, if he's here, he, that'd have been, and healthy he'd have probably choked buddy by now if they were both on the same team oh yeah <laughs> uh, okay so we'll roll on to our, uh, our our second here uh harrison barnes does harrison barnes stay or go at the deadline i think there's a chance he goes i mean i think he's the guy that just about every team could use you know and he's really good player uh you know he he's he's he probably isn't going to be a top guy on any team but he is who he is. He knows yeah. who he is. And I, I like to say, yeah, just on that basis, a couple position guy, solid citizen, really good player. Contract now is not really a problem. Uh, probably 10, 15 teams with the right circumstance would like to get him and could use him. So I'd say, yeah. Yeah. To me, Harrison Barnes is the, is the most valuable player on the Kings to the most amount of teams, meaning obviously teams would rather have Fox in a vacuum, but the cost is higher. The salary is higher. It's a bigger deal in general. Uh, like Jerry said, pretty much every team could use a Harrison Barnes. Pretty much every team can afford to trade for a Harrison Barnes. And if you're the Kings, uh, that's the best player you can trade to get a really nice return for without making that earth shattering, like for trading one of Fox. Halliburton or Mitchell type move. So I think he's the most likely King to go. And uh, he's been a good King so far, but now is the time to, to do something, anything. And, and I think that'd be my most likely Kings to be traded uh, at the deadline out of anybody. Is he the most likely to be traded Tony or the most likely to get a good return? I think th that's both. I, I mean, the Kings are, I mean, you could say Buddy Heald is more likely to get traded, but I think more teams want Harrison Barnes. There's more motivation on the other end to go get him. Um, and I think the Kings have been talking, or at least Monty McNair has been talking about making a big move 
at some point. I just don't think Buddy Heald will be that. Whereas Harrison Barnes, you can actually do something there. So uh, I think that's I think he's the answer to to pretty much every trade question, whether it's most likely or or best return. I think it's all Harrison Barnes for me. Yeah, I agree. With, yeah, yeah, I agree with that too. Uh, you know, uh, Buddy, I think certainly there's some some chance, but uh, I don't think the value is near as high as Harrison. I think he brings a lot more in the open market, and uh, you know, Buddy's. Sure. Value probably isn't uh, just isn't what it was a year ago or a year and a half ago. Uh, I think teams still think in the right circumstances he could really help them, but just exactly there again, he's a it's a special kind of thing. How many teams need need a buddy? <laughs> you know, I mean, people talk about the Lakers. Well, really, do the Lakers need him? Malik Monk right now is better than Buddy. You know. And, and younger and cheaper yeah cheaper yeah much better contract yeah I, I feel like this was something jerry that that i know i at least and I, I know you guys were to some extent too i was yelling into the wind last year about about needing to get out of harrison barnes and buddy healed for those reasons and it was hey you know he's going to build the trade value and then next season might be the one where they get rid of him if they need to and 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 so you you, you mentioned this and so i want to bring this up do you feel like Harrison Barnes and Buddy Hield have better trade value this year or worse trade value this year as compared to last year when deals could have or might have gotten done? I, well, I think Harrison probably is about the same, you know, and maybe better just due to length of contract. So, so I don't think, you know, I think Harrison is who Harrison is. I think Buddy's, I, I don't think Buddy's value is the same. I mean, I, I don't think his play's been the same. I think other, some teams that had interest have found guys to do had that special skill uh so so i i just don't think he i'd say his value is less today than it was a year ago today yeah i think barnes is is probably the same um i think the one thing that barnes has going for him is i think the market is a lot stronger this year at the deadline than it was last year because so many teams are still in it that you can convince yourself that you're a harrison barnes away from being in that next tier of teams whether that's from you know, the bottom half of the Western conference playoff race to the top half, or if you're a play-in team to the bottom of the, of the playoff picture. So I do think the Barnes market is hot, whether his value is higher or lower, I don't know. And for Buddy Heald, the, the trade that we know about uh, Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, and a first from the Lakers, that was an offer as of the summertime. So we'll find out, <laughs> we'll find out in about a week, how much his value has declined from, you know, just the summer ago. I would venture to guess we're not getting a Russell Westbrook like return for Buddy Heald this time around, but yeah, I, I will bring up only because uh, Tony, you mentioned that Jerry, I don't think I've asked you this before. Would you have done the Taylor Horton Tucker, um, Kendrick Nunn and a first round pick from the Lakers for Buddy Heald? You know, I'm not sure I would. Uh, I just, uh, I don't like those players that much. <laughs> that's a, that's problem. a problem. And I don't like the team. <laughs> you, know, you know, and I, I know a lot of fans who are ready to say, well, you know, get, you know, Elmer Fudd and Joe Peduzzi go for it. Uh, well, uh, you know, why, why bring on guys? And that'd be my, you know, I could be totally wrong here. I mean, Horton Tucker has shown signs, but I, overall, I just don't see what that does for you other than bring different guys on the roster who really aren't going to take you anywhere and eventually you'll have to move them. Sure. <laughs> you know, you're just, you're just, you know, you're just complicating it. If anything. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, Jerry, only because that pick would have been a 2026 or 2027 first round pick. 
when you were a GM, did you ever have uh, managers offer you picks from way out in the future that you just had to go, what the hell are you offering me this for? Because I won't be here when, when that pick comes around anyways. Oh, exactly. Hmm. Yeah. That had to, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I said, hey, you know, I, I'll be long gone one way or another. Uh, so uh, no, that, that serves no purpose here. Uh, uh, no, those kind of things or protected picks to where there's no value to them. Sure. You know, we protect the first 15 this year, then it becomes 20. Then it's like, well, crap. Then it becomes a second round. Well, no, no. Uh, you know, I, I remember, I thought Jeff Petrie made a trade like that for, I think it was uh, uh, Hickson or somebody. Oh, J.J. Hickson, who was a, a total mistake, it oh. turned out, you <laughs> so know, bad. a total, total mistake. But uh, oh. it took forever for him to get the, you know, get anything for it. And so, so it didn't really, you know, it's just, it's just a, nobody benefited. It's one of those deals. Yeah, I think that actually went the full string of protections to only end up as second round picks. That's how bad the Kings It was six years that it went. It yeah, ran and they never got years. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You know, J.J. Hickson was one of those guys that I know I'm stupid because I got J.J. Hickson very, 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 very wrong. I had heard when when the previous season or that maybe it was that same season, the, the Cavaliers turned down Amari Stoudemire because they didn't want to trade J.J. Hickson. And then the Kings turned around and got J.J. Hickson. I thought, here we go. It was right before the lockout. I was incredibly excited for J.J. Hickson because the Kings were on their way back up. And here we sit still in the mud. Well, too, Ten years you know, later. so often over the years, uh, you know, where teams do, uh, they fall in love with their draft picks and, and they should. And I, I think in general, you want to make sure you stay with them a little bit. But I know over the years where there's been guys that were drafted, I'm trying to, gosh, uh, uh, Channing, Channing Fry uh, for New York, mm, I think. Yeah. It was a pretty good player and a good pick, but New York treated him like he was the second coming of a, you know, superstar. You know, he's untouchable. Well, okay. Pretty soon he was touchable. And in two or three years, he became very touchable. You know, I mean, so you, you have to be a little careful. I mean, and, and I mean, that's, you know, it's like a Tyrese or Tyreek Evans, you know, at the time, I mean, it looked like uh, he was a sure star for years and years and years. And sadly it didn't uh, work out for various other reasons, but uh, just can't be, you know, can't be sure. Oh, well, I've always said that the classic though was, was uh, uh, the, uh, uh, Ellis, uh, Ellis and Curry uh, at, at Golden State. And I know for a fact that both were offered to Milwaukee for Bogut and, and Milwaukee could take their pick and they took Monte Ellis. <laughs> so, <laughs> so big whoops. And, uh, but yeah. I mean, it's a big whoops on the part of the Warriors too, because they, did, they yeah. didn't know. Yeah, that they had, mm -hmm. they didn't know they had greatness there. And at that, but at that very time, Monta was the better player, which uh, anyway, uh, that's, that's the silliness that we're all involved in, but we like it as much as we do. Just for anyone who's sitting in their car wondering, well, now I'm going to have to go home and look this up. I looked it up for you guys. Uh, that JJ Hickson deal was Omri Caspi. And per the original deal, the first round selection was protect was protected one through 14 in 2012. 1 through 13 in 2013, 1 through 12 in 2014, 1 through 10 in 2015, 16, and 17. If the pick was not conveyed during 2017, it instantly became a 2017 second-round selection. So six years, the pick hampered the Kings' ability to make moves. Six years, the Kings couldn't trade a draft pick because of that Stepien rule. 
Well, so uh, don't well, go home and look it up. You got it right well, there. Well, that that may have been a good thing to keep them from uh, trading. <laughs> I mean, really. I, I mean, really. You didn't do that much with it, but you yeah. Know, and, and, they I had mean, it. and at the end of it, I mean, you didn't lose anything. Yeah. Uh, because absolutely. it became a. But there again, now that there's your one value and being a crappy lottery team for go. a lot of years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can get guys like J.J. Hickson for free. Yeah, yeah, don't, it don't cost anything other than the grief, other than the grief of having him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 and Omri Caspi was better than he was, by the he way. He was. That's the old yes. John yes, Salmons trade where they traded Bano and seven to move down for yeah. Salmons and 10, where you trade the better player and you get the worst pick, the, the old double whammy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that doesn't work. No, doesn't work. not a good way. This is about to frustrate me. We're about to. I'm about to get really angry during this podcast. So mm. we're gonna. We're well. gonna <laughs> <laughs> we got plenty of those trades that went wrong. Well, that's why your that's why your strategy will start to look better all the time. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, who who'd have thunk that? Of all the people here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I'm. Yeah, I mean, really, it's uh, it, it, when you really don't have a lot of assets how else can you get better than it is almost the only way of, of drafting somebody who's a, actually a difference maker. Now that again, we know from the history of the lottery is a slim chance as well, yes. but it's a chance. Yeah, it's a chance. You, know, <laughs> so, you, you mean there's a chance? Yeah, there is. And, and so, you know, I mean, like I say, you look at Memphis, I mean, John Morant, what he's done for that franchise. Now there's other pieces there, but really it's job. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you know, looking back, uh, how many people would uh, take John Moran over Zion Williamson yeah. right now? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a tough one, Jerry. Yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, knowing, well, the, I, knowing the injury I history, mean, absolutely. Well, and and I mean, let's face it, John Moran right now, I think is the MVP. He's not. He well, he he probably wouldn't get it, but why wouldn't he get it? You know, why wouldn't he? Yeah, Memphis. They've been yeah. awesome, and I mean, nobody picked them to be awesome. And so there you are. Yeah, I think that's why uh, you're seeing so many fans take the side of tanking this year because it's so much easier. And I, I'm, we use that word loosely. It doesn't really mean what it means in like the Sam Hankey context. Yeah. It's a different thing now, I hope. But it's so much easier to make that decision when you're a fan of a team when you're already at this stage where the team you love is 10 games under 500 and you know they're not really fighting for anything. We're not talking about tanking at the beginning of a year. Like we gave them a fair shot to prove that that wasn't the best route for this team. But at this point, it's kind of become pretty clear that that's the only road that they should go down. Like, it's, there's nothing to save here. Well, yeah. And I mean, the thing, too, I, I always said, I mean, I don't think you should ever start a game if you're not the players you put on the floor and the coaches are trying to win. Now, now sure. yeah. I mean, I, I think that, that Oklahoma City and, and Orlando, those teams, you know, those guys are trying to win. They're just not good enough. The guys are trotting mm-hmm. out there. Now, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it's different than putting out guys, you know, that you think are good enough to win and, and they don't win and can't win. Yes, we've seen that. Rashawn Holmes, do you guys feel like he stays or goes at the deadline? I kind of think he stays. I, I think, uh, honestly, I think the injuries have really not only hurt his play, but, but I think probably at the wrong time, if in fact – you know, trade deadline because what made Rashawn special, and I think he'll get it back. But just, I mean, his just aggressiveness and toughness, and flying all over the place, and boy, you know, he, with, without him doing that and being like that, he's just a small center. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, he, he's yeah. just a six, seven guy playing center as opposed to the way he was before. And I, I, I get that. I mean, I think, you know, you have your eyes scratched or hit. I, I think you probably, probably no different than a, a baseball player getting beamed. Probably not, not really takes a while to get comfortable stepping <laughs> in the box and, uh, and, and not, uh, not running away from a curveball. Yeah. As someone who just got regular glasses, I can't imagine like going from wearing no goggles in an NBA game to suddenly having your vision obstructed on the peripheral with goggles. I don't know. That seems like a tough time, but yeah, I think Rashawn Holmes probably stays because what Jerry said, the value might not be there. I mean, he's getting outplayed by uh, Damian Jones on some nights because he doesn't really have his, his full bag uh, every night. So I think he probably stays because he's not really, the guy that he was earlier in the year or the guy he was last season quite yet. Okay. We'll do one more here only because I, I, I feel like you and I can, or we can all agree that uh, Davion and Tyrese are probably sticking yeah. around here for at least another year. So my last, my last one, and you can object to that if you want to here, but Marvin Bagley, the third, do you feel like Marvin Bagley, the third stays or goes at the deadline? I think they'll do probably everything they can to uh, move Marvin and uh, just what they can get for Marvin at this stage. At that, so that's the only the only uh, thing that'll hinder it, I mean, if they can get probably a couple of seconds, I think, uh, or and another suspect type thing. Uh, but uh, that, that's where it is, I think, at this moment. Yeah, I think the report came out, and Will, maybe you'll remember who it was that said this, but I think it was that the Kings wanted to move Marvin Bagley, quote, bad oh, yeah. as the yeah. deadline approaches. You know? <laughs> so, yes, I do think that what happens. I don't remember who it was that reported that. I remember seeing it on it, on NBA Central, the, the Twitter account, but I think it might have been Windhorst uh, or somebody else. That... Yeah, I think that could be right. So then who knows if it's actually yeah. true, but still. Marvin Bagley uh, is, is, uh, is not wanted anymore. I, see, Tony, for me, that would have been the guy who I felt like was the most likely to be traded only because the Kings are – they would they would take a bag of peanuts, you know. It's like the the guy in ma- minor fair. league baseball that got traded for a photocopy machine and a bag of balls. Yep. Like, they they would they would give up Marvin Bagley for a photocopy machine right now just to have him gone. And so he felt like a more likely candidate to be moved than even Harrison Barnes was. Yeah, well, I, I think too. If I'm honestly, if I'm Dallas, if I'm Detroit, if I'm there's several teams there. I would I would take Marvin in a second if yes. I could get him for a. a couple of second round picks i sure would uh and you know uh, and i think they'll get a and there's a chance they'll get a different player but uh but there again it's always about the price you know uh you know that but that's what it's got to but i think a 611 young player that uh you get a free look uh and see if there's something there before you you have to commit uh i i I would i i just can't imagine a few teams not wanting to jump in there and have a basically we're talking about a free look yeah well you're probably right about him being the most likely to get traded i guess what i would say is that if if that's the most that monty mcnair does in two years and i think his seat gets incredibly hot so i just think if that's the only move <laughs> the kings make it's like man you back paid this guy for two years to do nothing at all besides make his draft selections i feel like that that'd be a i don't know tough to justify your whatever your, your job at that point, if that's all you're doing throughout all of this, you know, disappointing season is just trading Marvin Bagley for a couple second round picks. No, I, I, I will agree with you on that one. I feel like uh, Monty McNair's seat gets very, very hot. If Marvin Bagley is the only guy out at the end of all of this. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Jerry, I wanted to ask you, uh, ask you your opinion on this as a former general manager, as a former coach. 
Um, and, and I don't necessarily want to be, I, I don't necessarily want to blame Darren Fox for this, but um, he's, he's missed eight straight games and he hasn't played since uh, January 19th. So he's missed 18 days. Um, are we making a mountain out of a molehill here? Or, or is there a way that uh, you can describe maybe that at the trade deadline, have you ever had a player that you've gone, Hey, we need you to sit, you know, we don't want you injured because we got potential deals on the way for you. Or do you feel like this is more, uh, De'Aaron Fox just has an injury and Kings fans are freaking out about it because it's right here near the trade deadline where it's happening. Well, it, it, it is a little bit, uh, uh, very mysterious, really, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, nobody's denied. I mean, it, he doesn't have a sprained ankle. Uh, he has a sore ankle. Uh, you know, yeah. I've got sore ankles and I just kind of, <laughs> I just walk every day, but they're sore. <laughs> but I still walk, by the way. I don't miss walking. But anyway, uh, I, but I would never do that. I, I just don't think that's, I mean, in other words, to ask a player not to play if he's capable of playing. And, and uh, all, but on the other side, if a player says he's not capable of playing uh, for one reason or another, I take their word. I mean, uh, here again, I, we talked about this before. I always use the Jerry Sloan rule. He always used to say that, he said, I never question a player. They say they're hurt, they're hurt. And we don't talk about it anymore. Now we move on. Next man up and go on. And I, I think there's a lot of merit in that. I mean, because you can't, you know, you can't know for sure. And I mean, if, yeah. if De'Aaron says his ankle is really sore and he can't cut on it and move on it, well, that's his game. Uh, if he can't be quick and fast, well, what, that's his game. So, so do I think it's mysterious? Uh, yeah, I do. But uh, so I, and I don't know that the coaches or front office would uh, ask him to sit on that or say this is the case. I, I hope that's not the case. I hope it's just as, as, uh, as what De'Aaron said. Hey, I got sore ankles and I don't think I can uh, – play at the level I need to play at. I hope that's the truth. Because uh, the, 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 if it's not, then it's just, it's terrible for the player and the organization. That's what I would say. I mean, it's a, it's a, it, it really doesn't speak well for either if it's not 100% true. That's, that's one of those things that Jerry, I always, you know, you just trust the player when they say that they're injured. I, I know that there was times where I was injured uh, playing high school ball that was like the coach was like well, I can see you running okay there and it's like no I'm telling you it hurts and nobody believes you at the time and then you figure out oh you know you tore something or you broke something you didn't know it uh, but Kings fans I feel like have been particularly drawn to the mysterious nature of a sore ankle because it, it, you know the, the game that had happened you know not you know there were people that went back that I saw that re-watched the game just to check it and it was like just trust him. You know, maybe you didn't see him limp off the court, but maybe it hurt afterward. Maybe it hurt the next day, you know, and we, we as a group have gotten so paranoid about what's about to happen with three days to go, nothing's happened that I feel like we've, we've hurried ourselves into a frenzy about it. And it probably isn't necessary. Yeah. Cause I mean, really everybody handles pain differently. And then I can't look into De'Aaron's mind, uh, but I, I've certainly been with guys who would, would uh, definitely play with with sprains, actually, you know, where they're swelling, would, would find a way to play. And then others uh, wouldn't. Well, they, they, they had no obligation. I always remember Mike Woodson playing with basically a knee that had to be operated on. He, he finished the season and operated on 
afterwards. Well, not everybody's going to do that, and you have no right to ask them. <laughs> and if he had said, "I can't, I, I can't play on it," you know, and he wasn't the same player, but so now I take take a man's word, you know, to, take the man's word until he he proves his word isn't worth much. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. So we're going to go to our new segment now where uh, where I give Tony and Jerry a chance to talk about uh, anything but the Kings, another game, another team, another storyline from the sports world that they encountered over the last two weeks. The only rule is do not talk to me about our Sacramento Kings. So, Jerry, uh, I'll let you go first uh, because you've got seniority here. Uh, what was something that you saw for the last two weeks? Yeah, I got seniority on about everybody in America, just about, but, <laughs> which is, uh, by the way, yeah, but my wife and I just had our at her birthdays, I'm 78 and she's 77. So uh, you talk about old farts. I mean, we we've got got it cornered on that. But happy uh, birthday, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday. Congrats. Well, yeah, well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> 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 so, uh, but the a couple of things, of course, I've been really enjoyed the NFL as we talked about before, and 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 just in particular, you know, I, I always kind of love the story that wasn't a story until it becomes a story. Uh, for instance, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow. Now, in my mind, much like I just said about John Morant earlier, that he's the most valuable player in the NBA right now because his team, nobody thought they'd be a, a top seven or eight seed for that matter, much less the third and maybe the fourth or fifth best, fourth best record in the league for third best. Uh, and he's the best player. And so, but, but Joe Burrow, I mean, Cincinnati, I remember all the experts. Uh, well, they, they're not a playoff team. They won't, you know, blah, blah, blah. They won't make the playoffs. Well, they're in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and, and, and he's the quarterback, the most important position. I mean, he, what player in the NFL should be most valuable player over him? That's what I want to know. Now, I don't think he'll get it because they're going to give it to Aaron Rodgers or somebody else. But, yeah. I mean, really. Uh, I mean, everybody knew Green Bay was going to be good. They were in the regular season, had a great regular season record. But uh, the Bengals had an excellent regular season record too. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, all that. But those teams ex were expected to be good. The Rams, Bengals were not. And Joe Burrow was the reason. So, damn it, he's the MVP. <laughs> I don't want any arguments. So we've got Joe and Ja for MVP this year. Yes, there you go. <laughs> to, today, I'm, you know, I can, on jaw, I can, another month, I can always change, but uh, <laughs> at this date, and uh, yeah, so, and I guess I'd like to say just to, to follow up on the, the getting older thing, uh, hey, don't worry about it, you know, just, uh, you know, that's the one thing I've got, I really, it's like, you know, uh, I, I know my peer group, a lot of them are gone, so, so I don't, so they can't, <laughs> A lot of people that didn't like me are gone now. So, uh, you know, just so, so just you can always just outlive them if nothing else. There you go. Uh, all right, Tony, what did you see in the last two weeks that's worth mentioning? So I didn't uh, I did watch one thing in the last two weeks, but it was exactly two weeks ago. And I want to take my little segment here, here to peel back the curtain a tiny bit and tell everybody that the last episode we recorded was during Chiefs Bills. Jerry is a Chiefs fan. We pulled him away from maybe the craziest oh. finish to a game ever, <laughs> which yes. I ended up watching after the podcast was over. So I want to know, Jerry, did, 
did you make it through the podcast without having that spoiled? And then did you actually get to watch the end of the game like you would have live without any, like, did you know what happened? How did that work out for you last week, last week when we recorded or two weeks ago? Well, well, I did record it and no, yeah. my, my son called me immediately. And, oh, uh, I knew, yeah, you know, because <laughs> he's a huge <laughs> fan and yeah, I had it. I, you know, I planned on just enjoying the What a, you know, even at once you knew it, probably the greatest football game I've ever watched. It was crazy. It yeah. was crazy. Yeah, just marvelous talent and, you know, home Mahomes and Josh Allen. So, you know, the NFL is doing a lot of things right. Uh, a lot of yeah. things maybe not so right, but uh, certainly the games, the playoff games, you just couldn't couldn't ask for better better entertainment. So, yes. and, and the you games know, have been great. yeah, and that's why I just wish the NBA would quit with this best of seven in the first round and stuff like that. You know, it's like, Go back to when I came to the league, you know, best of three. You know, will they be more upsets that way? Sure. How bad is that? That's that's great. exactly what the league yeah. needs. More upsets, you know. Anyway. Jerry, I've got to commend you for your professionalism too, because we discussed prior to the podcast, hey, do you want us to wait? Maybe it's overtime. Do you want to, you know, and you you pushed through knowing that this was a fantastic game you were watching. <laughs> Uh, and and you did the podcast rather than watch what you just described as the greatest football game you've ever watched. Well, I, I, I got to be honest with you, uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't all that classy. I was I was taking you guys' name in vain a little bit afterwards. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so I just want I want to be honest with you, but you know, I like I like you again now though. But it was, uh, it, it was touch and go there. That's the first thought I had was when we got off recording, I started seeing everyone saying best game ever, best game ever. And I'm like, oh, shoot, we ruined oh. Jerry's beautiful <laughs> night of football. But. Uh, Tony, I'm glad that you asked that because yeah. I wondered that too. I sat there. That's why I didn't get a call from Jerry uh, for a week, you know, just, just because Jerry was still <laughs> oh, stewing well. over it. <laughs> well, if it, if, it wasn't, if it wasn't for just talking basketball, that's the only, only thing, you know, I mean, that, that could have even, I would even considered, but uh, anyway. <laughs> I'll, I'll well, blame thank, the Sacramento thank, Kings for that one. Yeah, let's blame yeah. the Kings. Might as well. Yeah, okay. we, yeah they. Yeah. Why, why not? Why not? They deserve some more blame. Uh, well, well, I've got two. I've got uh, I've got one that is kind of a humble brag, and I've got one that I actually. Uh, so we'll start with the humble brag first. We'll start with. Uh, so um, I I was uh, I got grumpy during this. Uh, uh, it was a four game losing streak at the time, or a three game losing streak at the time, and uh, I decided to being the person that I am, I'm like, okay, well, I, I'm, I'm going to quit or I'm going to do something about this. And so I decided to um, half sarcastically, half, half expecting nobody to listen to me because it's the previews and I see the views on those and I know how few people read them. Um, I, I started a, a, a little thing where I was going to donate $10 to, uh, to, a, to a charity every time uh, the Kings lost. And I figured I, I did the math. I sat there and wrote it on paper. Then I did it on the calculator. Then I had somebody else check it just to make sure. Cause I was an English major. I'm not, I'm not big on the math thing, but I made sure I had enough in my bank account for if the Kings went you know, and lost every single game for the rest of the season, could I afford to do this? And it did. So uh, un instead of, instead of investing it or, uh, you know, maybe going to get an oil change in my car or, uh, you know, uh, uh, something that I could actually use, I decided to use it for, uh, for uh, embarrassing the Kings a little bit. And uh, I ended up starting uh, something called uh, Operation Money for Charities and Nonprofits as Incompetence Restitution. Basically, that every time the Kings lost, I donated $10. And I put it in a preview and I uh, grumpily sent it to Greg one morning and said, here you go. Here's the preview for the day. That's all I'm talking about. And, you know, please don't fire me. 
And um, there's been a fantastic response from the Sacramento community on this. And so uh, I just wanted to give a shout out mostly to them for picking up the, the, the ball that I, that I uh, tossed out there and running with it. Uh, to date, we have over $2,000 worth of donations uh, to, to, you know, like I think 15 or 16 charities from, from last count. Um, we've gotten, uh, you know, we've, we've made a great big difference. We broke a donation button at one point, you know, the second night we were doing this, there so many people donated that the site crashed and wouldn't allow people to donate anymore. And then I got a, a very wonderful uh, email from another one of the foundations saying that they'd made a thousand dollars in a single night. Uh, now I'm counting just the, the receipts. Some people are doing it anonymously, which is totally fine. Um, but just from the receipts that people have shown me that they've sent me, we have over $2,000 in donations to various Sacramento charities. So uh, props to every single person who's uh, shared it, who supported it, who's especially to those who've donated it, but just to everybody in the Sacramento community who's, uh, who's, who's given this a shot, who's taken something that I felt like I'm going to be $10 lighter every couple of nights and I'll feel good about it. It'll allow me to watch the games and turning it into a juggernaut of, uh, of, of proportions in which I'd have never thought. And they've proven to me, at least that the Sacramento Kings fans are still there, still lively, still very much just waiting for something to believe in that they can rally around just like they rallied around to save the Kings the first time around. As soon as their number got called to jump in the game and do something, they've done it and they've done it in a way that I'd never expected. And so uh, I guess I'll start there by saying thank you so much to everybody who's done that. That's, that's been a, a wonderful surprise to me. No, classy move on your part and classy on the people that's, uh, you know, uh, helping out, you know, I mean, not, not a surprise uh, in any way for, you know, I mean, really it just uh, almost, you knew it'd go well, but uh, for you to start it, that really does uh, speak well for you, Will. And I, you know, this hurts me to have to say that, you know, to, to be this, be this nice to you. <laughs> uh. I've just found a way for people to uh, pay for tanking and to celebrate in the way. Now I'm untouchable. <laughs> you cannot whine about me when the Kings lose because, because nope, I'm dropping money true. on this one. Baby. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Great job by Will. All, but also uh, like Jerry and Will said, no doubt in my mind that this would work out. And if the Kings were ever like, I don't know, didn't like that this was going on or whatever, not that they said anything they are, but these are your people that you can harness that are, they're your fans. They're waiting for you to give them a reason to behave in this way. It is a incredibly passionate group that always shows up. And I think we're all dying to be homers. So I think that's like the, yes. the thing for the Kings, make us homers. I'm ready. Like I'll, I'll, I'm there with you. Give me a reason. Um, and I think that's what most of the fan base is, is at too. We're ready. Just give us something. I, I bought into the apathy narrative right up until the time that that first uh, loss happened where people start donating. And then it was like, Oh, Kings fans aren't apathetic. They're just, they're just dormant. They're just laying in wait. Just the second one good thing happens that that arena will be full. You know, these people will be up and cheering and buying merch and everything else like that. You just have to give them one thing to believe in. And right now the only thing they can believe in is the Kings losing helps people out. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Good job, so, Will. Yep. So, uh, my my uh, my non uh, humble brag here is uh, I watched the end of that Lakers uh, Clippers game in which Reggie Jackson uh, skipped down the floor in excitement with his team down one, um, put a spin move past Austin Reeves as Russell Westbrook dove for a steal and put in a game winner. And, and I don't like the Clippers. We've talked about this before. Obviously, I don't like the Lakers either. But that was one of the uh, 
highlights of my season so far is seeing somebody know that they've scored the bucket 10 seconds before they do it because they knew Russell Westbrook was going to give it up. And uh, so shout out to uh, Reggie big government Jackson because uh, he bailed them out. And, uh, and you know, that was, a, that was a fantastic uh, end, way to end the game. And I always love watching the Lakers lose. Yeah. That was a fun game. And like you say, much more fun when the Lakers lose, of course. Yes. So let's, uh, let's roll on to Tony. Tony, why don't you give us our uh, Patreon question of the day? Yes. This uh, question comes from Andy Sims, who, if you're familiar at all with our comment section, uh, either on the Kings Herald or back in the Sacktown Realty days, Andy's been around for a while. Um, so this question comes from Andy. Thanks, Andy, for your support on Patreon. His question is uh, for Jerry. And I should mention here that if you have any questions for Jerry, submit them either to Will or I on Twitter or just go to uh, patreon.com slash kingsherald and you can drop questions there or on site. But again, this week's question comes from Andy Sims. And he says, hi, Jerry. Uh, you and your wife have been married for a long time and you've mentioned Dodie and how amazing she is. What advice would you give to younger marrieds and others in relationships? What three things would you say are the key to a long and happy marriage? Thanks for the wisdom, the podcast, and all of the other things you do to make being a Kings fan tolerable and occasionally fun. Andy. Well, that, uh, Andy, of course, and I really do enjoy uh, reading Andy's comments. I, I tend to agree with him most of the time. And of course, a few times I don't, of course, he's naturally wrong. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, the, uh, of course, my wife and I have been married uh, 54 years. And uh, so I, I guess we're doing something right. Uh, the, the one thing, I mean, and as any young marriage, uh, the toughest part of our marriage was the early part, the first five, 10 years. Uh, and most of it, my fault, uh, you know, as a lot of uh, guys, uh, you know, you're concerned about your career, making a living. You're not sure how it's going to go. Uh, worried how you're going to support your family if it doesn't go well and 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 what that le leads to sometimes is uh you know you you take out your frustrations on the innocent and uh and you don't want to do that <laughs> make sure you don't do that uh, and like i said it took me a while to figure that out that uh you know as i got to be an older coach and involved uh uh, through my later years, I, I did much better at that, even with the frustrations of being with the Kings of realizing that uh, they, they, they are not responsible for my frustrations or, or the tough times. Uh, they, they're for me. They're my, they're on my side. And so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, and, and, and as you, you know, in your marriage, always keep in mind sometimes when you get frustrated uh, with your wife or she, of course she gets frustrated with you, by the way, uh, is remember why you married her. Remember, remember, uh, you know, all those good things. And I don't mean just the sex, you horny devils out there. You know, there's, <laughs> uh, you know, there's, uh, there's, that may be why you got married or a big reason, but it, it's not why you'll, it's not why you'll stay married. And of course, I've always tried to say, you know, uh, she was my hottie when I married her and she's still my hottie uh, 54 years later. And, and that, uh, that's what you, you, you know, you have to do. And then, uh, and I think a, another little thing that's helped me over the years, and I don't know, it took me a while to get there, but uh, to realize that uh, it's uh, your wife, basically, uh, she spots your flaws. Uh, that's uh, now you, you don't get to spot hers, but she'll spot yours. So let her work on your flaws and just assume 
that uh, she's the finished product. Okay, that'll make it go a lot easier for you. And, uh, and, and of course, if when you get old like I am, then you get to the point, see, where my wife, she gives me some honeydews every day. And I agree with every one of them. Totally agree. Oh, yeah, honey, I'll get to that. Now, I don't do hardly any of them. <laughs> and I'll tell you, and see, she forgets she's old, too. So it just so uh, but you got to you got to get into your 70s before that starts working. So uh, so you you'll have to hold off. That's maybe part of the best part. of. It. But anyway, those are just some little things. But I, I tell you what, I uh, people say, would you if you had to do over again, would you do it? Oh, of course. I don't know if she would, but I would. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. I, I replied back to Andy that I'm looking forward to this answer because I'm a recent married as of last June. So these are all things that I'm in the middle of trying to figure out. And it's always nice to hear from people who have clearly done it successfully. So thank you, Jerry. And, and always, and, and really, Andy, all of you guys, I mean, hey, you're going to have tough times. You're going to have tough times. Yeah. I mean, and where, you know, you get frustrated with one another and, and all that. But like I say, just uh, more if you can just remember uh, who's your best friend and uh and why you why you got married and what what you loved about them so much because they're it's still there it's still there so yeah you know that's that jerry uh now you have to follow that up with uh with your wrap-up so whatever you have to finish tonight with uh now's your time well that you know that that's a good one i i mean i i just think it's one of those things where to kind of follow up on that thought a little bit as kings fans I've noticed the real the the real frustrations of this season, and uh, and you know where where a lot of the fans I, I I worry about just what I just said you know with your marriages and things of where you get so frustrated with the team that you're not getting paid for by the way uh, don't don't take it out on anybody you know don't don't take it out on the innocents uh, it's not their fault the Kings are playing crappy or you've invested in them or you want to see them play well. Uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be the right thing to do if, even if you were getting paid. But since you're not, don't take it any more personal and serious than the guys who are making millions. And some of them don't probably take it near as personal. So uh, I guess in a nutshell, don't, uh, hey, don't take it home to your kids and your wife and all. Uh, they, they deserve, they deserve uh, the best, uh, not the worst of you. Keep that in mind. That's what Twitter is for. Yeah, but take it out yeah, on your Twitter yeah. followers. <laughs> take it out, take it out on your Twitter follow. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, and that's what uh, King's Herald's for. You can yeah. just rip and tear all you want to, uh, but uh, just like I say, leave the innocents. Let them be innocent. <laughs> well, for all of us here at the King's Herald, I want to thank you for listening to another episode. Um, we're going to grab you a, a bonus episode this uh, this upcoming week, uh, sometime after the trade deadline. You're going to get one extra episode out of me, uh, Tony and Jerry where we're going to discuss any of the moves or non-moves that the Kings made. So uh, look for that next week. And then uh, we, we're, ex we're excited to see what happens, and, uh, and we'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening.